Good morning, everyone. Uh, appreciate you being here. Big day on the show. We've got a great interview coming up at 835, so about 20 minutes from right now. Maricopa County Sheriff Paul Penzone is going to join us. We're going to talk about ballot drop boxes and security, as there have now been up to six accusations of voter intimidation, people in tactical gear. We're going to talk about this, what's legal, what's illegal. Um, I'm not talking about what people should do. I'm talking about what's allowable. And are there going to be arrests in these investigations? Because if there truly is intimidation going on at the polls, we're going to find out if they're going to make arrests of people and uh, and, and what will happen. So that happens at 835. And then at 10.05, Blake Masters, Republican candidate for United States Senate, will join us on the show. And uh, I'll give the same disclaimer I always do. We have mul- on multiple occasions, I believe at least once a week, but multiple occasions, we have invited uh, the senator on, Senator Mark Kelly, to be on the show. Um, and uh, he has declined or has not responded or his campaign hasn't responded at any time. So uh, just to be fair, we would be we would love to have the candidates, all the candidates on the show. Uh, but uh, as of right now, the senator has declined um, or at least uh, in most cases not responded at all. So we start with the economy, and here's uh, – I talked about the jobs, and I think jobs were the bright spot for this president. It was the one thing holding things together. It was the one thing that was keeping us from kind of spiraling out of control. And here's a little bit of a danger sign. This is a story – um, talking about manufacturing, new orders of manufactured goods fell fell marginally in October as new exports fell at the fastest rate since May of 2020, pushing the flash U.S. PMI results to 49.9, the lowest level in 28 months, according to a financial analytics from the S&P Global Monday. The flash PMI, which is a preliminary result based on data available from October 6th to the 21st, also business optimism plummet in October to its lowest level in more than two years as companies began to work through their backlogs, indicating that demand was declining. So now we've got to be concerned, and this is the progression heading toward a recession that we have talked about before, that we were seeing things and warning signs a long time ago that were not heated. And now that they're trying to heed them, what they are trying to do to slow down the economy is pushing us rapidly toward recession. This is why you hear people, experts, saying there is no doubt we are headed into a recession. So what will be the next move? Uh, the Fed has been talking. Treasury is talking about I mean, I'm going to read this quote to you. The Treasury Secretary warns of dangerous and a volatile environment as she pledges to bolster the Treasury market. Um, it is about. Uh, cause and effect, I believe, and anybody that believes that the, uh, nothing could happen. This is a worldwide problem that the president's done nothing to hurt this. Well, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you at all, and I think policies are telling a big story. Here is one of them. Starbucks has announced new technology that promises a better customer service experience, but workers fear it will change their job far too much. They're going to implement a system that will cut down on work done by employees with new automated tech But baristas believe it can remove the handmade element from drinks. Part of what I've warned about in the past, and I think it's not me, it's as if I've got some insight. I'm just echoing what a lot of other people say because I agree with it. I may have said it and then heard somebody else say it, and if I'm in in line with them, um, I think I'm on the right track. When we start raising the minimum wage as we have, we talk about those jobs going away and it, you, you can choose a world. It doesn't matter what it is. If you are a, if you are a storefront that has people that are selling clothing, if you have a storefront and people are scooping ice cream, a grocery store, or even in the world I came from in construction. 
where we never paid anybody minimum wage. But when things begin to tighten, it is the I know this is a horrible thing to say, and I don't mean it as an insult, but the non-skilled labor, the unskilled labor is the first to go on a job site. In construction, in any trade, your journeymen and your apprentices are the are the skilled labor, are the people that are the um, they are revenue driving. And when you have people that are supplementing them, it's a good thing to have. What that does is it bolsters efficiency. But when things get tight, though, that unskilled labor, they are the first ones to go. That's productive labor versus non-productive labor. And unfortunately, that happens quite a bit. Well, what we've seen in recent years is the talk of this living wage and the idea that we're going to drive up minimum wage and it's going to improve people's lives. And it's been proven over and over again that an arbitrary jump in the minimum wage does not improve anyone's life. What it does is it helps them maintain the bare minimum of quality of life because it drives up the costs everywhere else. But the downside of what happens when you do it arbitrarily or too quickly trying to help people get a better station in life is those jobs go away. You look at the automation that's happening in the fast food world. This is a byproduct of those things. When you have corporations like Starbucks, where you've got baristas and people that work at Starbucks decided we're going to vote and we are going to organize and we're going to be a union and the union step in and we're going to get you the what, the value of what you're worth. So they're going to pay some of those people. Some of those people then will make more money. And some of those jobs go away because of automation. You're going to have automated drive through You're going to have automated kiosks when you walk up. I mean, you're seeing this everywhere already. Automation is coming. Customer service is hurting in places because we can't find employees because they don't want to work. So then when the employers put up automated tellers or automated uh, kiosks so that people can order, this is what happens. Those jobs go away. Now, that doesn't mean that your high school student that's you're trying to get to be responsible wants to get their driver's license and let them know you've got to pay for the gas in the car and you've got to pay for the up and what it's going to cost us an insurance to get you licensed. Uh, you're going to have to pay that. So they work three, four hours a day, two or three days a week to learn a little bit of responsibility and finances. And so those jobs are going to dry up that you're not going to see as many of those jobs out there. But for the people that are out there at the bottom uh, rung on the ladder, no matter what company it is, what kind of company we had, we just talked to people. uh, We just talked to the president of Canyon State Electric. He's with an organization called Build Your Future Arizona, and it's helping to entice people to go into the trades. And I asked him about you know what they're paying people with no experience in construction. Right now, it's in the neighborhood of twenty to twenty-one dollars an hour. So the, the, those um, low-paying jobs, those minimum wage jobs, if you're truly trying to make a living for your family and you're making minimum wage, if you're not a college student or a high school student, if you're not entry level for whatever reason, there are jobs out there paying 20 or $21 an hour in the construction world. They're available. Those entry-level jobs, it helps provide really good customer service, and it's exactly what we call them, part-time entry-level jobs. The idea that you're going to fix our economy by fixing that and doing what you're doing, here comes, here comes the fallout. The fallout is the employers say, listen, if I can spend money on a machine that never calls in sick, never steals anything out of the cash register, never uh, gets in an argument with a customer, always does what I want it to do. It's here on time. It shuts down when it's supposed to. Why would I waste my time paying somebody an outrageous amount of money for a job that I can get done by a machine? 
And that's the direction it goes. And if you want to demonize people for that, you've never been a business owner that's tried to meet a bottom line and squeeze every penny out of every dollar. So manufacturing is on its way down in some places. Now, Arizona, we've talked about our economy so many times. Arizona is positioned to withstand a recession better than almost every other place in the country because of the diversification of our economy. There are always going to be sectors in an economy, even a down economy, that excel. And so those sectors are present here. But there are going to be some that suffer. Construction still seems to be strong here in Arizona. And as long as money continues to get more and more expensive, it's going to threaten some of those projects when people are borrowing money to build big projects. But this to me is very strange when we look at what we want to accomplish. And what we want to accomplish is giving people an opportunity at a career, an opportunity to feed themselves and feed their family if they have one. It's not supposed to be about equal outcomes. It's supposed to be about opportunity. There are going to be winners. There are going to be losers. There are going to be people that fail. And there are going to be people that fail and they hadn't done anything wrong. That is the nature of capitalism. And it's still better than the other options. I will go back to my old standby. Take a look at our southern border. How many people from the U.S. are fleeing our economy for Venezuela? How many? Or any other economy in the world? Not many. How many countries around the world are fleeing here? Or other countries where it is more capitalist than it is socialist? And you see that happening everywhere. And it's just something to keep in mind. I want everybody to thrive if possible. I want it to be able to work for everyone. But what we're seeing are signs of when you do the wrong thing, when you do stuff that is not business friendly, this is what you get. This is what you get. What we're going to do in a moment is we're going to have a conversation with the Maricopa County Sheriff. Paul Penzone is going to join us. The big topic, and it's been a national topic now, is voter intimidation at ballot drop boxes. Have people gone too far and broken the law? What is the law? What is permissible and what isn't permissible? And will there be charges against people? There have been accusations of voter intimidation. Are there going to be actual arrests? We'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, been, it's become a national story. People watching ballot drop boxes, some of them in tactical gear. Um, it is uh, bordering on in many people. There have been six accusations, at least, in, in voter intimidation. The sheriff of Maricopa County has been very vocal about protecting these voter drop boxes and making sure that there are no confrontations. He joins us now. Sheriff, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. Um, let's first talk about the accusations that have been made. There's been at least six accusations of voter intimidation. Is your agency investigating those? Do you expect any arrests? I don't. I don't know about the six, Mike. That's, I know of two. One was the incident where I think there's you know some poll watchers that put a flag over their license plate and in front of them and try to remove it. And we're looking at that one. Um, the other one, I believe, was. Uh, more intimidation related as far as people of their presence was a little bit aggressive. And we're looking to, to, to two that I am aware of, but it doesn't mean those other four that you're referencing that my team's looking into and I'm just not aware of yet. So, um, and you know, most of them have been first and foremost, any form of intimidation is unacceptable. So let's just be clear about that. 
Um, I would tell you that there are things that are so easily avoidable and unnecessary, and that's as frustrating for me as, as a sheriff when we're dedicating resources to people just misbehaving when it's very easy to make the right decision. Um, why it's become popular to watch a, a box, people drop mail into a box, I have no idea. There's a lot of other things I'd rather be watching than that, but if that's what they choose to do, so be it. Just be lawful, be respectful, um, and allow people their freedoms just like you want your freedoms protected. It shouldn't be that difficult of a formula. So can you kind of walk the line with us with this? Because there is a big difference between what you should do and what you can do. So there's a lot of times when it looks like it's intimidating. It's not something any of us would encourage. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're violating the law. Is that true? Yeah, and you phrase it perfectly. Just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should, meaning just because you can go out there and, and you want to participate in some way that you feel you're protecting democracy, I, I can understand your um, if you're well-intended. But you also need to recognize that uh, there's good people just trying to, to vote or go to work or take care of their families. And in your presence, if you are dressing very, I'll just say aggressively, it doesn't mean you can't. It's lawful to go out there with whatever you know ballistic gear you want to wear or tactical gear because if you, you think it makes you feel empowered in some way or you feel safer by doing so. But you have to understand the people that you're interacting with are just decent people. And suddenly you're in their space in a, in a capacity where it makes them very uncomfortable. And what, what is it you're hoping to accomplish? Because if you're genuinely there just to kind of watch to make sure nobody's stuffing ballot boxes, I'm not so sure why you have to be dressed up in that manner where you're drawing attention to yourself. So what is the law? The law is your behavior, meaning if you say things that are threatening, if you are trying to intimidate people and, and interfere with their ability to get to the box and to drop a ballot, if you're engaging in a way where you restrict their movement, if you uh, point a weapon in their direction, all things that fundamentally are a crime anywhere else are, are going to probably apply directly in that same space. I know that your agency has had conversations with the people at the county, whether it's the recorder's office or otherwise. Has anybody in your agency contacted the people at the ballot drop boxes and tried to have a conversation with them? Do you know that? Um, I can't say that I know for a fact, but I can tell you that we've had constant interaction with us. You know, I've even gone out and, and toured around and spoken to the folks that are working. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to know that we're looking out for them. But what I don't want is for them to feel like it is a, it's a military state where suddenly you see deputies in uniform patrolling around so that people can vote because that could be as intimidating as the people wearing the ballistic gear. So we try to be very engaged and interactive so we can educate the folks that are either volunteering or working for the recorder's office so they know the laws, they know that they're going to be safe, and if there is a breach in the law or there's an issue of concern, they know how to report it to us so that we can respond quickly and address it and mitigate it. So we want to make sure that our relationship is interactive, but we don't want to end up you know, as, as an extension of what they do, where it just it creates a earlier military state. I know that uh, one of the issues that all agencies in Arizona are facing is short staffing. Is this hurting your staff? Is this causing a strain, an already uh, strained issue of staffing with you? Well, the long and short answer is yes, unequivocally. And, and, and that's where I feel as though, um, you know, people well-intended aren't taking into consideration that their actions probably are, are not as productive as they would like, but they are counterproductive for our efforts. Every deputy that I dedicate to this role and responsibility is one I'm pulling off the street for other needs. And the other needs are the fundamental issues that we all want our family to feel safe. If there's a crime, property crime, violent crime, crime against a child, whatever it may be, that's one less deputy in every space and every place that I'm using to just, as I said yesterday, I wasn't trying to be insulting, but to babysit. Um, to babysit adults who know better, can behave better, but, and, and this goes, you know, I'm going to extend it a little further. There are folks that are running for office or in leadership positions that are promoting this and making people feel as though not only are they, um, do they have a right to, which they do, 
but that they should be, you know, enticed to do these things. And that's irresponsible because if my deputies get harmed or someone else gets harmed or somebody goes to jail because you provoke them to do this, uh, you know, you may not pay the price, but someone is. And that's why we need to be more responsible with our words and our actions. Well, Sheriff, I hope it, it, it. I hope this is something that just looks ominous, but doesn't become ominous. And, and I appreciate you coming on and explaining the difference between you know what they can do and what they should do, uh, because I just think people want to feel safe when they vote. And I just wish there was a better way that people were handling these things. You and me, you and me both, buddy. And I do think that we're capable of it. You know, and I want to end this on a high note. I say it's not that hard to be nice, and if you want to be part of the solution, look to where the issues really exist and, and see how you can contribute and help. But we shouldn't be confrontational with each other. We shouldn't be intimidating each other. We should just be working together to build up a stronger nation um, for everybody, for all walks of life. So I appreciate the time you always give me, buddy. You're a good man, and uh, you have a good day. But thank you so much for what you're doing. You too. Thank you, Sheriff. That is Sheriff Paul. Said. That is Sheriff Paul Penzel, Maricopa County Sheriff. Um, I, I kind of went off on this yesterday. I, I just think that the look is terrible. Um, it is you are alienating people. And as the sheriff alluded to, there are people that are running for office that are being connected to you and what you're doing. So you are what you are doing is you are in some ways at least damaging the message and the messengers that you are trying to help. And just do it a different way. Tactical gear and guns. You want to sit in a lawn chair with a pizza? If you want to waste your time doing that, it's to, to each his own. But you wouldn't want it if the sheriff's department showed up. Let's let's flip it for just a moment. If the sheriff's department were to show up and you were one of the people in a lawn chair with a pizza and a two liter bottle of Diet Coke watching the elections and the sheriff's department showed up in tactical gear and rifles and stood there watching you, you would feel intimidated and you would say the police shouldn't be doing this. You are you are using and exercising your First Amendment rights and you'd be correct. And if the sheriff's office was standing there in tactical gear with rifles, you would feel as if you were being intimidated. Put yourself in the voter's shoes. Just do it a different way. Coming up in a moment, Gatos joins me and it's the big Q poll question of the day. Stick around. The Gatos Big Q Poll Question, brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Good morning, Gatos. I'm picking you up at noon, and we're going to go watch the ballot box. All right. Me and you. Okay. We're going to sit out there. Hey, do you have tactical gear that I can borrow? Listen, I don't have tactical gear. No. But, but... Okay. I can help you out in the gun department. <laughs> there you go. I, I can help you out in the firearms department. <laughs> I don't think that'll be a problem for you. No, it's not a problem for me. Uh, well, I've got my uh, cue about uh, what's happening in Mesa. Did you have zone on or no? Yes, I did. And, and, okay. and do, you, do you see the irony I see and that this whole segment right now is called Q? <laughs> it is. Big Q, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I never thought. Gosh, I've got to change this now. <laughs> anyway, uh, there are folks dressed up in tactical gear, packing heat, and watching ballot drop boxes in Mesa. Do you support these losers? Uh, a, yes. B, no. Okay. Uh, so I didn't hear the Penn Zone thing. He's got to be furious that he's got to send yeah. his deputies down to watch these idiots, right? Yeah, and here is the uh, here was the rub with the sheriff is that yeah. there is a big difference between what is permissible and what is uh, what you should do. And and, yeah. uh, and so you know I talked about this a lot yesterday. I think they're defeating their own purpose. It is intimidating. And the example I used this morning was imagine that there are people out there watching the ballot drop boxes, honestly sitting in lawn chairs with pizzas. 
and and you know what I mean, and Diet Coke and hanging out like a picnic and yeah. watching ballot drop boxes. Imagine for those people if the sheriff's office was to show up in tactical gear and rifles mm. and watch them watch the ballot, they would say they're being intimidated. Yeah. You know there are ballot drop boxes all over the place. They're called mailboxes. Yeah. It's the same thing. And they're watching this thing. And, you know, we had somebody on yesterday, uh, a, a woman who wouldn't give us her name. She's an activist. And she went down and she interrupted the whole thing. She, walk, she walked in the middle of where their pizza was and their little party. And, you know, she was sarcastically, you know, saying, hello. Hello, and then uh, and then there was a ruckus, and I'm thinking you shouldn't go down there either. You you don't know who these people are. Well, and that the thing is that, and I know you probably disagree with this, but I know a lot of people that are election deniers, people that believe that 2020 was stolen, that are reasonable people, that they they are good, reasonable people. They are not crazy like the people that are being viewed here, and so what they are doing is giving everybody that questions the results of 2020 a bad name, and also yeah. the candidates that they're supporting are being connected to these people they're defeating their own purpose i think you have q on which is that's insane but then you have other people who think well i think there was something wrong right that that took place yeah i have friends like that too but i think if it's if it's the q on people and you're going down that rabbit hole you've mm-hmm. really lost reality well i like the question gatos and i'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow i'll uh, pick you up at noon All we're right. going watch some ballot boxes baby <laughs> The BQ poll question today brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. We are going to talk about the real disaster at the southern border in just a moment.